And good morning to you, Cameron Skirving with you as always on The Breakfast Show. And right now being a Wednesday, it's another Wednesday morning discussion with Dr. Andrew Corbett. And here he is. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Cameron. Again, great to be with you. And autumn always seems to know when it's its turn. It's autumn out there, Cameron. And yes, it is. Arguably, You're right. Arguably, uh, one of the best times to visit Tasmania, one of the best times in Tasmania, the just magnificent how the deciduous trees change the colour of their leaves and just makes a magical time and of course lots of uh, the rest of Australia hasn't seen what we're seeing today and that is rain and this will green up Tasmania magnificently so we are really blessed to live in this part of the world. A couple of things Cameron in a moment I just want to briefly touch on the decision by the Launceston City Council last week not to endorse same-sex marriage. I want to touch on that. But then I think there's a bigger issue at play here, and I want to step back a little bit and talk about emotional first aid for couples. I'm in the business of both marrying people and helping those people who are struggling with their marriages. So this is something I know a little bit about, being a marriage celebrant, for over two decades, nearly been married myself for nearly three, and I know I know a thing or two about marriage, so we can talk about that in a moment. But because of that, when I hear some of the debate or arguments surrounding the decision put forward to the Launceston City Council last week, for people like myself and my colleagues, this is very frustrating because people who don't really understand what marriage is is are often confusing the issue because what it sounded like was marriage so-called marriage equality sounds like a statement of fairness tolerance non-discrimination and equality the the reality is marriage was never meant and is not meant to be a political trophy Marriage was was promoted, marriage equality is promoted by people as one of those things that will give recognition to same-sex or same-gendered couples. But this confuses what marriage actually is doing now. It, it, they, they want that so that they get equal, equal status for their relationships. But the Marriage Act and marriage as such does not do that now. It, marriage does not recognize or reward or even regulate couples. In fact, the Marriage Act regulates individual behavior. And it does that absolutely without discrimination. It, it treats every individual in Australia equally, irregardless of gender, regardless of orientation. Now, of course, this meets with the rebuttal, but two people of the same gender who love each other should have the right to get married. And again, this confuses what marriage is actually all about. And this is very easy for, for people to misunderstand what I'm saying here, but the basis for marriage is not love. Now, before people get on the phones and say, how dare I say the basis of marriage is not love. Let me be very clear. As a marriage celebrant, I 
lead a, a two individuals into a vow with each other that they will love. But that's not the statement that's being offered as the argument for same-sex marriage. The argument is because two people love each other, they should have the right to get married. And I'm saying that's not what the right is now for anybody who can marry. That's not it. It's not the basis. In fact, the word love does not appear in the Marriage Act. And neither can it. Neither As a marriage celebrant, whether you're religious or civil, we marriage celebrants have four statutory declarations that two individuals, this is important, because we're not, we're not interacting with a couple in the eyes of the law. We're interacting with two individuals. And those individuals have to sign these four statutory declarations that they comply with the five descriptive criteria for marriage. In other words, marriage is something. It looks like this. In the same way that a shape looks like it looks like. So, for example, a triangle has three corners. A square has four equal angled corners. A circle is round and so on. But you notice, by me talking about those shapes that way, I have not defined them. I have described them. And marriage is the same thing. Marriage is something. The associated word with marriage is the word wedding. And it's only in fairly recent times, Cameron, that the word wedding has come to be exclusively only associated with the ceremony that which commences a marriage. But that word wedding was not exclusively associated with the ceremony. In fact, I, I, I went to the eight, 1995 uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary yesterday and I looked up the word wed and it and it said the union of two things into one and that's what the word means and that the union of two compositionally different things to form one new thing now biologically it's the union of two compositionally different things that is a man and a woman to form, or in biological terms at least, to have the potential to form one new thing, that is a child. So to wed, that word associated with marriage, is to either produce a child or have the potential to produce a child. Clearly, two people of the same gender cannot do that. Now, when the Marriage Act states that, it's not being hateful, intolerant, discriminatory, it's being descriptive and that's all it's being and when when those of us who say more or less the king hasn't got any clothes on we're not being hateful bigoted intolerant discriminatory we are simply being descriptive and for language to have any meaning at all we have we cannot ignore the obvious we just cannot do it now we we don't want to see our society intolerant hateful bigoted uh, uncaring unkind callous that we don't want that but marriage is not the means to achieve that end marriage is something it's not anything it's something so when the launceston city councillors the aldermen voted eight to three with one abstaining to not endorse this motion i'm 
pretty sure they are not being intolerant, hateful, narrow-minded bigots. Now, these are the words that were used on our Facebook wall to describe our church's participation in this debate. And I can I can assure you that, that most Christians in this city do, do not endorse intolerance, hateful behavior, unfair, unreasonable, inappropriate discrimination at all. But, but marriage is something, and the five descriptive criteria form the acronym GRAPE, G-R-A-P-E. And these, these are outlined on the stat decks that we are supplied by the government to ensure that the description of marriage is satisfied. And it's E, going backwards in this word grape, E, eligibility. I, I, I cannot marry someone to another individual who is ineligible to marry because they're already married to someone. In Australia, you're only allowed to be married to one person at one time and you have to be eligible to marry. So E, and, and that's on the, the stat deck. And then a P, you have to marry a person. And as strange as that sounds, Cameron, there are moves afoot around the place for people to be able to marry something other than a person, including themselves, their pet, their horse, their, you know, or whatever. But you have to marry a person. <clears throat> and then age. Uh, you, we, we don't want four-year-olds, five-year-olds being able to get married for obvious reasons. And, and added to that, that because marriage is a recognition that there is a wedding, a biological wedding of two individuals to produce a child, there, there has to be a certain morally sufficient age for which that can happen. And by the way, because a child results and because it involves women, the traditionally the two most vulnerable people groups in our society this is the only reason why the government has any interest in marriage at all because you can couple up you can pair up partner up with anybody for a whole host of reasons you could be doubles partners carpooling partners you could even be renting a house together, quite innocently renting a house together, or you could choose to live together and do so in a sexually active way. And quite frankly, the government has no interest in your partnership. None, none at all, within reason, of course. So marriage is something in particular. It's the union of two people, compositionally different people, for life that results in one new life intended to be exclusive and intended to be for life. So age is important there because there's all those factors that have to be taken in. And R is for relationship. You cannot be in a prohibited relationship. That is, you can't you can't marry your child or your parent or your sibling. They're the two forms of, or depending on how you count, three forms of prohibited relationships that you cannot be in with the other individual. And then G, gender. And that you have to marry someone of the opposite gender so that you can biologically wed. And again, it's the only reason the government has any interest in regulating marriage. When the Launceston City Council alderman recognised that that is the description of marriage and that's the way it is, and, and also that the Commonwealth Government, not the City Council, has jurisdiction in this regard, then they're not being spiteful, hateful, narrow-minded, intolerant bigots. And I know 
that each of the aldermen who voted against this motion have been accused of that, especially, and I'm guessing, and I don't know, I haven't spoken with our mayor, but I'm guessing that he has copped a lot of this sort of thing, and I find that, strangely, ironically, very unfair. I find that very intolerant of people that someone might have a different view to them. Well, yeah, what, 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 so what's, what's the difference between us doing that and uh, well, uh, people calling us bigoted and uh, them calling um, our mayor bigoted? Yeah, I, I, Cameron, I, I think it's to do with the level of pain and hurt and frustration that many people who saw this motion were trying to address, and I understand that. I understand the, the, the well-meaning intentions, the good intentions yeah. of people because together as a city, as a society, we don't want people to be maligned or mistreated or the victims of hate, hate speech or hate acts at all. We don't want that. I'm, no. I'm saying that the marriage is not the trophy. Marriage is not the way to go about it. I'm not using any, as you'll notice, I haven't used any religious arguments at all. These are just straight up natural facts that play into this. But I do stress, Cameron, we in the Christian community have not always done this charitably. We haven't always right. been kind. No. We we have come across as narrow-minded, you know, raging fundamentalists who are often depicted by people as quite hurtful to people mm. and and for that yeah. if i could be so bold i apologize i apologize to to people who have experienced that expression of christianity i'm embarrassed by that yeah. and i apologize for that but again i just re i just repeat and if you can hear my heart in this we we want people to be treated decently but we do not want marriage to to be uh redefined fine because it can't be it's a description not a definition it's not meant to be a trophy a political trophy right now two people can do whatever they want within reason in their bedroom and you don't need the government's legislative approval to do it and i'm i'm quite confused as to why people would want the government's legislative approval for what they do in their bedroom i, I find that quite bizarre so there are people in this city who who do feel less than you know respected they they feel as uh, not achieving the same level of courtesy and dignity that that most others receive i get that we want to do what we can to prevent that stop that but but in fairness we do need to understand that there are people who aren't narrow-minded bigots who see that marriage is something not anything and that when they point that out and then they themselves are the victims of hate speech there is a and i think this is what you're saying cameron yes, there's, a, yes. there's a a little bit of irony there now I've, I've said that i i trust that people hear my heart in that and i want to come back after this music break and i, I actually want to talk about an issue that probably affects more people than we realise, and, and that is when, when marriage ends up in trouble, when the first signs of trouble in a marriage are happening, what do you do? So I want to talk about emotional first aid for couples when we come back after this music break, Cameron. Okay, thank you, uh, Dr Andrew. Well said. Uh, we'll be back uh, shortly. It's 8.50. In people's marriages, either preparing them for marriage or 
helping them once they are married in a way that for me and for them is not clinical. It's not analytical. It's real. And let me tell you, if you don't already know, marriage relationships are fragile. They are fragile. You know, well, there's, uh, there's a group of people who have produced a little sticker. I think it says um, marriage, handle with care. And and it, it it reminds me of you know something priceless porcelain or something that you've got to transport you know from one side of the the house to the other you you want to be very careful how you do that because marriage is fragile it's very fragile the pain and the hurt that can come from a marriage in trouble can be overwhelming it it it's humiliating for many people they don't want people to know what's really going on in their marriage because it's embarrassing for them and this includes many christians as well christians are supposed to you know have this stuff sorted out and the reality is many don't and many haven't so what do you do well your marriage if you're in a marriage that's in trouble you know what i'm talking about if you're in a marriage and you're not sure if you're in trouble these might be signs that your marriage is bleeding and i'm going to use the first aid terminology now for those of us that have done first aid level one two or three you'll understand that there's first aid is just that it's not meant to be treatment it's not meant to be ongoing care but it is meant to be first response this is what you do when you see someone who's in trouble this is your first response and and everyone knows you you have to identify the danger you know it's the dr abc i think it might even be dr abcd now but you have to identify the danger you have to make sure that the respiratory system works you know the r clear the airways and then make sure the breathing's happening and and then there's the 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 cardiac massage if you need to do that so there's there's some immediate things that have to happen clear the danger make sure there's no danger there that they're, they're able to breathe and put them in a comfortable position if you're able to move them if it means getting them out of the the danger in a marriage it's a, a similar situation and this this these might be indications that your marriage is bleeding just consider these firstly you don't eat together anymore eating together is not merely about food and nutrition in fact i would say it's more to do with relationships if you're a family and you can you should eat together at a dinner table you should you should talk it shouldn't be no talking we're eating that's crazy (laughs) that's just silly there should be more talking than eating and there should be laughter and there should be sharing and there should be jibing and joking and there should be people sharing at the dinner table how their days were. That's what it's supposed to be. Mate, I, mate, I wouldn't be able to survive if you we weren't allowed to talk at the dinner table. Oh, well, there you go. So, look, <laughs> it's a sign that your marriage could be in trouble. You could be bleeding if you no longer eat together. Secondly, you've stopped talking with each other 
you don't talk you don't ask how was your day because you don't care anymore you've you you are increasingly keeping secrets from each other and there's a bit more i could say about that that that's that's a sign your marriage is is bleeding and you're fighting about little things more and more so the issue for you now is no longer the real issue the issue has become one where you're you're fighting over phenomenally petty things now you've found someone of the opposite gender who you feel you can talk to more openly than your spouse you feel as if they understand you better than your spouse can i just say if that's the case you're in trouble there's 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 bleeding happening and one more than before we go to news you've stopped sleeping together if these things are happening your marriage is bleeding and we need to do some first aid and we'll come back after the news and we'll talk about exactly how we can do just that thank you dr andrew corbett it's news time now on wayfm it's nine o'clock yeah, the forecast for Launceston today, uh, certainly more grey weather out there this morning. It's pretty uh, pretty dark, uh, but the Bureau says uh, cloudy with the high chance of showers during the morning and afternoon. Winds northerly, 15 to 20 kilometres an hour, tending northwesterly, 20 to 30 kilometres an hour. In the middle of the day, then becoming light in the evening with a top of 22, so it is mild. Showers increasing tomorrow, 14 to 22. We'll expect a mostly sunny day for Friday, though, 11 to 19, and a partly cloudy day. No rain forecast for Saturday, 6 to 20 degrees. Currently in town, uh, Launceston's at 18 degrees now at 9.05 and a very good subject this morning for you with Dr Andrew Corbett. Here he is with more. We are talking about something that affects more people than perhaps we understand or we realise and that is emotional first aid for couples and we've identified some of the indicators, some of the signs that a marriage might be in trouble. And marriages tend to bleed for three broad reasons. Number one, communication breaks down. When communication breaks down, you no longer effectively talk with, with your spouse and you no longer listen you 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 feel you are not being heard and in the process you are no longer hearing what's being communicated to you so communication breaks down add add into that the way communication proceeds and most couples who 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 reach this point of communication breakdown get frustrated and what do people do when they get frustrated they yell they ridicule, they insult, the, the temperature goes up in their, in their relationship, not in a good way, but in a hostile way. They begin to do things that are not helpful, such as belittle each other, berate each other in front of the children. And this is an indication that there is a serious communication breakdown. So we'll talk about that in a moment secondly what happens the cause marriages to bleed there is a breach of trust trust has been undermined now trust can be undermined 
through sexual infidelity. I mentioned before, right at the start, in reference to the description of marriage in relation to the Launceston City Council decision, that marriage actually is something, and, and part of what it is, it's meant to be a lifelong union to the exclusion of all others. Now, this is not just something that people have thought, gee, this would be a good idea. This is, this is well documented and well researched that because marriages involve the wedding of two people, and again, I'm reminding you that we now refer to the ceremony as the wedding, but trust me, in biological terms, that ceremony is not the actual wedding. We used to talk about marriages being consummated. In other words, the wedding has taken place between a couple and a child results and we know because i said the research is overwhelming that children fare best when raised in a loving home by their married biological father and mother all of the research indicates that there is there is nobody who disputes that a child fares best emotionally psychologically physically academically and socially when raised in a loving home by their married biological parents. Now, this uh, you, you can find out more about this from the research of Professor Soteria Sarantakis of Charles Sturt University, who's one of Australia's leading sociologists. The evidence is overwhelming. So the idea of marriage being a descriptive, having a descriptive term of a lifelong union to the exclusion of all others is a description that when violated breaches trust it does and it's a serious breach of trust it can be dealt with but it's not the only form of trust that can be breached in essence any any violation of a commitment any any sacred commitment such as we we could look at uh we you know part of the the marriage ceremonies with 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 my with all my earthly goods, I thee wed. You know, it's in the sense that when two people come together, they surrender their property to each other. Well, what happens if that property is violated secretly? There's a breach of trust. What happens if, if, if the wife clears out the bank account and the husband doesn't know anything about it, then discovers it? That's a pretty serious breach of trust, Cameron. That's going to damage that relationship and vice versa. And, of course, this is why... Many of my colleagues, and I share their concern, have have grave concerns over poker machines. I think they are an insidious blight on our society, and they create a lot of damage. That's probably a discussion for another Wednesday morning. But trust can be violated sexually, financially. Trust can be violated emotionally. Trust can be violated materially. Trust can be violated when you're supposed to speak well of each other and in public you don't. And that's a breach of trust where secrets are betrayed in the public arena. So when trust is undermined. And then thirdly, this, is the, this really is the child of one and two, the, the child of communication breakdown and trust undermined. And that is this, an issue an issue an issue fuels or is fueled by the communication breakdown 
and the violation of trust. So the issue could be financial pressure. The issue could be relationship third parties. The issue could be, it could be, um, a, a decision that's been made by one or the other that affects both partners in the marriage. So the issue, and, and sometimes we think that the issue is the issue. And Cameron, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a revelation here because I know that you're yet to be married. And after this program, there'll probably be a queue of girls wanting to marry, no doubt. <laughs> I don't know about that, but anyway. The the issue, whenever a couple is is contending over an issue, because I'm listing communication breakdown number one, trust being undermined number two and then the issue number three i'll say this the issue is rarely the issue the issue is rarely the issue in other words when when a husband says i'm i'm really concerned about my wife's inability to keep the house clean that's rarely the issue the issue is either communication or trust and Add, add into that that husbands need something from a marriage and wives need something different from a marriage. And the problem with being a husband is that you think what you need is what your wife also needs. And that's not the case. And vice versa. A wife needs something and the problem for her is that she thinks her husband needs that as well. Now, of course, we, we, we both will share common needs in a, in a marriage relationship, but primarily a husband needs to be respected. Primarily needs to be respected. Now, this is going to sound strange to the ears of a wife because I you know, have met women who thought, well, I thought my husband really primarily needed to know that he was loved. Nope, nope. He needs to know you respect him. And to the husband, I would say, what is it your wife needs? And he might say, well, she needs to be respected. Well, nope. She, number one, of course, she wants to be respected. And of course, a husband wants to be loved. But the primary thing that a wife wants from her, her relationship with a husband is genuine love. And that genuine love provides the security of both the relationship and the things that add to the security of that relationship. And many husbands, if not most husbands, often fail to appreciate this. So, for example, a breach of trust is actually, if a husband breaches trust, and it could be as simple as, I will be home at 5 o'clock from work, and the husband arrives at 7 o'clock. Now, the husband might think, no big deal, I still love my wife and she knows I love her. But by getting home two hours after he said he would be home, he's actually sent a message to her that is interpreted as, I do not love you. And for most husbands, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a stretch. That's a shock. How do you get there? Well, I'm going to suggest if you spoke with your wife and you learned that communication, and we haven't got time to do, do with it now, I'm pretty sure in our download section, we, we've done a, a section on this before, so go to wayfm.org.au slash downloads and you'll see, or download, and you'll see 
some some of our previous archives there of these programs because communication has the problem of words and when a wife says something a husband takes that as fact but really the husband needs to peel back those words as if they were a curtain and look behind the curtain and see what his wife and try to hear what his wife's really saying when she says where were you you told me you'd be home at five o'clock she is actually asking a question that sounds like this do you really love me now for most husbands that's going to be a bit of a revelation how does that work well that's how it works and so a husband needs respect and a wife needs to be loved and a part of that love is genuine love that provides security it doesn't challenge it doesn't it doesn't cause her to wonder does he really love me and by the way for a husband to be respected it has a lot to do and i know there might be children listening so let me be a little bit vague here but i think couples understand what i'm saying it has a lot to do with the way a wife treats her husband in the bedroom because that she might think is an expression of love and for her it is but for him it's an expression of respect Cameron, let's come back after this music break and I want to give couples five things they can do to apply emotional first aid to their relationship. Hope you're being impacted by this this morning. Don't forget we'll be uploading this particular message onto our website for you to download later on. And, of course, others are available from Dr. Andrew Corbett on there still as well. wayfm.org.au forward slash download. Back with more shortly. It's 9.17. So psychology is the study of the soul. It's the, the heart and emotions of a person and the memories, how they interplay and how they affect someone's mood and demeanor and posture and the rest of it. So this is this is a really critical issue and we don't want to be in denial about the pain that can be very real from relationships that break down. But I do want to offer some first aid. So as couples, and I'm talking first aid, I'm not, I'm not talking... You know, you guys have gone right up to the edge of the cliff and you're about to throw each other off. I'm talking about you've taken the first steps toward the edge of the cliff. So you're not, if we're at the, if we're right on the edge of the cliff, well, we've got a different set of strategies. But here's the first aid things. Here's five things you can do that will apply first aid to your relationship. Number one, hold your tongue and swallow your pride. Oftentimes, Things are made worse because we're waiting for the other person to apologize first. Things are made worse because we are digging our heels in and we're not going to budge. Number two, get permission from your spouse to talk openly. Now, sometimes someone will say, we need to talk, and they just launch in. This is a part of how to communicate effectively and that is how not to communicate effectively under under the under the 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 I'm 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 trying to do we call under the the principles of communicating effectively you have to get permission to say what you want to say and if if the other person says no not now then a reasonable question is okay when 
And when you get that time and you've got the permission to say it, then you say it. If you haven't got the approval of the other person, then the communication is not going to be effective. You won't be heard, in other words. And then I think there's a there's a principle here that as we, we start to look at these first aid things and we see that couples get in trouble, here's a little saying. Instead of fighting with the one you're married to, fight for the one you're married to. In other words, instead of fighting in your marriage, fight for your marriage. So there's there's ways to do that. And if you can understand that sometimes you, you, you do... you. You, you do have to fight and it's it's important to to know that some some of life's best things you have to fight for thirdly start with yourself rather than your spouse if you were to list all your spouse's faults you could probably come up with a list but what if you started with your own faults could you come up with an equally long list? And you can see how this kind of complements the first one where it's just hold your tongue. Please, somebody's got to recognise that when you've got a fire you and you've got two buckets, one with gasoline or one with water, <laughs> take the one with water. The one with gasoline is when you, oh, yeah, well, I think, you know, and off we go again. You've just poured petrol on the fire and really what you want to do is pour some water on it by not saying anything if that that has to be that way sometimes so start with yourself rather than your spouse and number four surrender to your spouse now this is going to be a difficult one but i remind you on the day of your marriage the day you commenced your marriage with what we call the wedding ceremony this was actually the vow you made I give myself to thee. I I give myself to thee. Well, do you? Are you? And here's a question that is a very, it's a difficult question to ask, but it sounds like this. You ask your spouse, how would you like me to change? How would you like me to change? And you could be thinking, okay, now, you ask me <laughs> but then you're missing the point because when you do what you can do when you deal with your side of things and you're able to deal with that you're probably going to find that there will be a reciprocating but if you're doing it so that the other person reciprocates you don't actually get this and then number five get help from a competent marriage coach Get help from a competent marriage coach. Now, initially, in the early stages of first aid, that might simply be going down to Kurong, Station Swanson, and getting a book on marriage. And I would recommend any book by Dr. Gary Smalley. Dr. Gary Smalley. So go down there, tell Victor that Andrew Corbett said... <laughs> G'day, Victor. I... I've got to get a book by Dr. Gary Smalley that might help my marriage. And look, this is good just generally, I think. So hold your tongue, swallow your pride. Number two, get permission from your spouse to talk openly. That permission thing is a big deal. 
Instead of fighting in your marriage, fight for your marriage. Thirdly, start with yourself rather than your spouse. Number four, surrender to your spouse with the question, how would you like me to change? And then fifthly, get help from a competent marriage coach. Cameron, there's five things that can apply first aid to a couple that are experiencing emotional turmoil in their relationship. Just before I go, I want to mention that we're some 15 days away from the Launceston Easter Community Festival to be held at the Albert Hall and the Inveresque Precinct. It includes the speakers Ken Duncan, OAM, Australia's leading landscape photographer, Professor Tim McCormack, who was born in Launceston, grew up in Burnie, did his doctoral work at Monash and is now the Professor of Law at Melbourne University. He's a very committed Christian, has a lot to say about how the law can only work if there is a God. And then finally, Professor Fred Watson, who's Australia's chief astronomer, someone who looks out at what he sees in space and says, more or less, this couldn't have just happened. And each of these guests will be featured Good Friday night. Last year we had one speaker. This year we've got three. And they'll each be doing a slot, a section. And we think this is something that you could be very confident in inviting your friends to, perhaps those people who think that Christianity lacks credibility. Invite them to this. Just ask them, hey, give us an hour and a half. Come along Friday night and check this out. And I don't think you'll regret doing it. I don't think you'll be embarrassed by it. And it's going to be a good night. So if you go to launceston.org.au or on Facebook, actually, we're, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of people take up the interest on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Launceston Easter Festival. There you'll also find information about the photography competition, which uh, Ken Duncan will be judging. We have a category for primary school-aged children. They can win a a Panasonic. I nearly said Canon, but I didn't. Panasonic TZ57 camera. It has a brilliantly big selfie screen on it, which kids love, and it's it's valued at nearly $500. This is for primary school-aged children. Also for secondary school children, secondary school-aged children, we have the same camera, another of those cameras on offer from Stallards and Panasonic Australia. And then in the open competition, we have the amazing camera, the Panasonic LX100. This is a premium camera. And again, thanks to sponsors Stallards and Panasonic Australia, this prize is valued at $1,100. So this photography competition closes in... Uh, a couple of weeks so you want to get your entries in and I'll tell you straight up we've barely got any entries in the primary school and secondary school age section so parents if you've got a primary school age child who uh, takes photos and the theme is in conjunction with the International Year of Light it just has to be a celebration of light if you get your child's entry in then there's a very high probability that they will be a finalist. And all finalists have also the prize of having their photos printed at Stallard's as a, as a prize, free of charge. And then they will be on display at the Inverisk tram sheds. 
So there's information there about the workshop that we mentioned last week as well. You can register online now. We mentioned that the ticketing information would be available. It is. You can go to the to either launceston.org.au and you'll see the information there. Those tickets went on sale yesterday for the photography workshop. $40 for the afternoon with Ken Duncan to learn some of the skills of photography. And they are selling fast. So if you want to, and there's limited places. So if you want to get your ticket to that, you want to go to launceston.org.au and book your ticket. I want to thank our, our faithful supporters. It was such a privilege and an honor to come in this morning and see in my tray mail from people who appreciate what we're doing here. I had three letters this morning from listeners just thanking us for what we're doing here at WayFM. I thank you. And like anything we do at WayFM, we want to give first before we ask for people to give back. We can only do what we do if people like these people support us because we are listener-supported. The government restricts how much advertising we can take. We're only allowed to take five minutes per hour, unlike the commercials who take 20 minutes per hour. And, you know, you do the maths. That that doesn't keep our station running. Without our sponsors, which we highly value, we would be in trouble. But without our donors, without people who go, I believe in what WFM's doing, we would be in real trouble. So thank you very much to our listeners who throw, you know, maybe $20, $50 or more at at WFM to help us keep doing what we're doing. It's greatly appreciated. You can do that online, wayfm.org.au slash donate. Cameron, I'll be back next Wednesday.